everyone. My name is Garen. I am an elder here at City Bible Church. Pastor Chris was originally slated to preach today, but unfortunately he had some other responsibilities that took him away from being able to do so. But he will be back next week to preach as normal. And so for this week, um, myself and Mike, one of our pastoral interns, have the privilege of uh, bringing God's word to you today. And so we're going to look at two main themes. The first one I'll be looking at which will be repentance, and the second one, which Mike will uh, look at and close with, is the idea of God's mercy. So what is repentance? Well, I've always ha uh, been told it's the idea of a 180-degree turn. So you're headed one way, and then you turn around and go the complete opposite way. So obviously in the spiritual context, it's this idea that you're living for the world, living in sin, and then you realize that you need to repent. So you turn around, do a 180, and you turn and head back in the direction of God and towards holiness. So that's kind of the idea that you can have in your head, this kind of 180 degree turn. And so why do we bring this up? Well, it is of utmost importance in society today, whether we realize it or not. We seek repentance in a lot of different ways, even in the secular. For example, a lot of us want to see uh, the police force repent of their brutality. A lot of us want to see uh, people re uh, repent of their injustices. And a lot of us want to see people who are throwing these COVID parties and going out without a mask being so cavalier about it, you know, this COVID thing is a hoax. We want to see them repent of their behavior and be considerate and caring towards others to help, you know, stop the spread. And on the spiritual, more deeper level, we see the importance of repentance as mortality has kind of come to the forefront with COVID. A lot of people now more than ever are faced with this idea of mortality and death. And so you have these people on their deathbed thinking about their lives and reflecting upon their lives and coming to those conclusions that unfortunately I wish I had repented or changed my ways in, in this area or that area in the way I parented or the way I treated people or the way I handled my finances. I wish I had repented and gone a different way. And for many of us, as we quarantine and self-isolate, we have a lot of time to, again, reflect and introspectively and, and look at ourselves and kind of take inventory and see, you know, my life is just not where I want it to be. Um, my career is not on the trajectory that I want it to be. My relationships are not on the trajectory that I want them to be. And it's this idea of, man, I am going to repent. And as soon as we get out of quarantine, I am going to set my life on a whole new trajectory and I'm going to, you know, go this way instead. And so we see not only at the secular level and obviously more so uh, at the spiritual level, this idea of repentance is very prominent in our minds right now, whether we realize it or not. And so where do we find this in God's word? Well, we've been going through uh, a series of passages looking at the nation of Israel and diaspora and we've been looking at that through the lens of the Old Testament prophets. And so today we're going to look at Daniel 9. And before we do that, let me open us up in a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today and just for the opportunity to come before your word to see uh, these two prominent truths of uh, repentance and your mercy. God, we pray that that would just really come alive to us today through the scripture, that you would speak through myself and through Mike as we proclaim your word. God, I pray for softened hearts and uh, open hearts, open ears to just hear and receive your word, God, that we would not be hardened to um, being told that uh, we need to realize that we need to repent, God, that we are not on the right trajectory right now, that we need to turn from our sinful ways and turn towards you. And so bless this time, Lord, we pray in your name. Okay, so just some quick context for uh, the book of Daniel. Uh, <clears throat> so Daniel was written by Daniel approximately 530 B.C. Daniel's name means God is my judge, which is pretty fitting considering we're looking at these ideas of, of repentance and God's mercy. He lived the majority of his life in diaspora uh, from his teenage years on. And we see uh, that he was a man of integrity. As we know from the famous story, you know, Daniel in the lion's den. And so because of this, he found favor uh, in God's eyes and even in the eyes of the Babylonians. And so he kind of rose to a pretty prominent leadership role in the Babylonian Empire. So our specific passage for today is Daniel 9 verses 1 through 19. So if you have your Bibles, if you haven't gotten it already, uh, please do so and turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. And follow along as I read, beginning with verse 1. It says this, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely seventy years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. 
For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. So that was quite a bit. Um, but just to kind of set the stage. So at this point, Daniel is advanced in years. Verse 1 and 2 uh, kind of launch the reason for this uh, lengthy prayer that Daniel gives. He alludes to Jeremiah 25, 11 to 12, which is this idea of uh, Jeremiah receiving the prophecy that, you know, the exile will take place for 70 years. And then when that time comes, you know, God will redeem and restore. And so Daniel, being a man of God's word, you know, reading the Old Testament scrolls, the prophets, uh, he realizes, kind of puts two and two together that the time has come, that the 70 years is uh, upon them. And so in light of that, he turns prostrate to God and and begins pleading in prayer uh, for his mercy and confessing uh, and repenting of Israel's sins. And so we can't unpack this whole passage, um, but again, we see these couple of themes of repentance and God's mercy um, all throughout this passage. And so really quickly... Uh, look at all the ways in which we see Daniel's urgency for repentance um, throughout his prayer. Verse 3, he's pleading for mercy. He talks about sackcloth and ashes, which are a sign of mourning. You know, he's mourning the sin of the nation of Israel. Verse 5 and 6, acknowledging sin and wrongdoing. He says, he acknowledges their wickedness, their rebellion, um, that they have disobeyed commandments and that they have not listened to the prophet's sound teaching. Verse 8, uh, just acknowledging what they deserve, punishment. Uh, verse 9, the idea that no one is off the hook. All of the nation of Israel has sinned. Everyone has sinned. Verse 12 through 14, this idea of calamity coming upon them, that God's wrath is, is there for those that are unrepentant. Verse 17, urgency to confess and repent, again, pleading for mercy. And verse 19, asking for forgiveness not for our sake, but for God's, that he would be glorified through this act of forgiveness and redemption. And so there are two uh, key reflections that I kind of had when I was studying this passage. The first one is to recognize our need for repentance, to recognize our need for repentance. And the second one is to realize that wrath and judgment is coming, to realize that wrath and judgment is coming. What do I mean by this? The first point, recognize our need for repentance. If you look in this passage, over and over, Daniel talks about God's character, about his holiness, 
that he is just, that he is loving. As we look at God and see who he is and what he's done, as we see his character in the scriptures, and then we look at ourselves, we realize more and more just how holy God is and how wretched and sinful we are. And so that should bring us to that point where we recognize, man, in light of a holy God, I need to repent. I am wretched and sinful. And so, um, you know, if you are sitting there and you're thinking, you know, ah, I live, I live a good life. Uh, I'm pretty moral. I don't do anything crazy, this and that. And you're thinking that you don't need to repent. That is so far from the truth because even uh, an angry thought, even uh, a hurtful word spoken, even a jealous thought, a lustful gaze that's given, you know, these things that are small, seem small and subtle and maybe unseen oftentimes, all of that is enough to receive God's wrath and judgment. And so we need to recognize that all of us are in need of repentance. All of us are sinful. Secondly, realize that wrath and judgment is coming. So you may be able to uh, kind of get by and skate by unseen. You might think that you're getting away with living in that sin, but it's only going to be for a time. I guarantee you, whether it's in this life or in the life to come, you will be judged. God's wrath and judgment will come upon you. His discipline will come upon you. And so, um, you know, if you are thinking that you're going to get away with it, you are sorely mistaken. God cannot be fooled and tricked. Uh, he knows everything. And so it's only a matter of time. And I, let me just say, I hope that I'm not around you when God's discipline and judgment and wrath does come because it won't be pretty. And, you know, maybe for some of you, you're actually realizing that maybe his discipline and wrath and judgment has already come upon you. Maybe the Lord has brought calamity upon your life because of the sin in your life. And that's the reason for it. So maybe, you know, your career has been stunted because you've given yourself to this one sin for so long and it's gone unrepentant. Maybe that's why God is withholding, you know, relationships from you because you're holding on to this sin. And until you repented that and let that go, God knows that he cannot give his favor to you and not give his blessing and um, allow you to have those joys in your life. Just a couple examples to see further how this is illustrated and how we see this play out in, in our lives today, in our world today. Um, you know, I think the current state of, of our world, we don't have to look far to see just how depraved we are to recognize that our world is in great need of repentance because things like human trafficking are at an all-time high to the point where organizations like Zoe International, who are international, have been primarily overseas in Asian countries, now have established a home and a headquarters here, right here in LA because human trafficking has increased dramatically even right here in the States. The uh, LGBTQ community and movement is as strong as it's ever been to the point where it is infiltrating the church and more and more churches are becoming more and more uh, open and accepting of uh, that movement and those beliefs. 
kind of tailoring them and making them fit and twisting scripture to allow them to have a place there. Uh, racism is obviously at an all-time high. We look at the news and we see in this county and this city and this state and this nation all across the world, protests, looting, things like that all going on. And then on top of that, you throw on the, the disasters that we've been having to endure. Obviously, first and foremost, starting with the pandemic. Uh, but then on top of that, you know, fires recently and hurricanes in parts of the world, uh, earthquakes, things of that nature. Just you, you, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to kind of think that, you know, honestly, maybe in some way, shape or form, could everything going on in the world be slightly related to the state of sinfulness in our world and God's wrath and judgment coming upon it? Would it not? Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you confessed your sins to a brother or sister? You know, again, in quarantine, we are isolated. And so there's less accountability and we're not at church every Sunday and we're not seeing our brothers and sisters. And so uh, sin is left unchecked and things like that. But I want to encourage you, you need to confess your sins to the Lord and to brothers and sisters because there's freedom in that. And I love to see how this has played out in our church because I love our church for the fact that it has not only a men's purity group, but also a women's purity group now. And we mention this often, um, but it's just awesome to see and know that there's a place for men and women uh, respectively to meet with brothers and sisters and to be honest and confess sin and repent of sexual sin and lust and pornography and things like that and to receive counsel and encouragement and prayer knowing that God uh, will be gracious to forgive. And the last thing that I thought about, you know, just as we've been in quarantine, has it not just been a breeding ground for our own sin that is in our lives to just come to the surface out of the woodworks? I mean, cer certainly I cannot be the only person or my house cannot be the only house in this world, in this quarantine, that uh, I have been short with my kids or with my spouse or, um, you know, there have been this sinfulness and attitude of, of jealousy and selfishness creep in. Just, you know, my life has been so inconvenienced by this pandemic and I was supposed to go on this trip and that trip and it got canceled. You know, even for my wife, Cynthia, she shared that just as we've been in quarantine, yeah, anger, frustration with the kids has come a lot easier. And she realizes that that's not something that she wants in her life. That's not something that the Lord desires for her life. And so she sought out uh, accountability with another sister in the church to just kind of be able to share and confess and receive prayer for that. And so as we kind of wrap things up, I just want to exhort and encourage uh, non-believers, if you've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never um, repented of your sins, you need to do that. Because again, you don't know when judgment is coming. You might think that you're getting away with sin for a while, 
but it is coming in this life or the next. And for believers, I want to encourage you, we need to lead by example in this. We need to have that urgency to plea with the Lord for mercy. We need to be like Daniel and come on our knees and turn to God and ask for him to forgive ourselves, our church, our nation, our world for the sins. We need to do this urgently and often and know that as we do that, there is hope because we will find uh, that that repentant heart will be met by a loving and merciful God, which Mike will now talk about. Thanks, Karen. That was uh, really powerful. I really appreciated, especially your reflection, that we need to plead for God's mercy for us, for the church, and for the nation. So remember that. We're going to circle back to that theme. That's an important reflection. But first, I wanted to recap what Garen said. His first reflection, there's four total reflections. The first reflection that Garen shared was our need for repentance, our need to turn away from our life of sin and then to come back to Christ. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us that are righteous. No, not one. We're like Isaiah in front of the living God. When Isaiah looked to God and was in his presence, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm from a people of unclean lips. Out of the depths of our dirty hearts, our mouths speak. We, we lie to each other. We hurt each other. We cut each other down. We have the wrong tone. We have lustful thoughts, like Aaron was talking about. Lustful eyes. We covet. We're ambitious for ourselves. We love money. We just want our careers, our houses, our toys. We just want to live for our pleasures. We just want to do what we want to do. We want to be God of our own life. I do my thing. God, you can do his thing, you know. I don't, it's not like I don't believe in God, but he does his thing. I do my thing. I'm a good guy. Guess what, buddy? You're on the road to destruction with that mindset. We have to be really careful. I'm not just saying this out of my own knowledge. I'm saying it, that's still what the word of God says. We have to repent. And the second reflection that Gary shared is we have to be sober and understand the wrath and judgment of God is real. Uh-oh, he's getting all preachy. Hey, listen. It's appointed for all of us to die once and then the judgment. You know, some of us are really self-deceived. We don't really understand our true spiritual position. We think we're all right. Are you going to bet your soul on that? A lot of us, we don't even think about it. And this might be a moment of clarity. You're not always going to get a chance. It's true. Your chances will run out. The Bible says that life is like a mist, and our experience shows this. We don't know tomorrow's not promised to us. I mean, I just looked and realized that uh, Chaswick Bozeman, the actor for Black Panther, and he was in 42, he passed away. It's just shocking. So young and vibrant. It's just like when Kobe died. It's just like we look up to these icons, these idols, these stars, these strong people that we look up to and they're wealthy and famous and celebrity and we wish we could have a life like that. Well, they're gone. I mean, the book of Ecclesiastes says it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion because you're upright. 
They're not. They're judged. They're already judged. But you have a chance. But what do we do? We have to turn, and this is the point. This is the third reflection. So our need for repentance, the wrath of God is real, but we have to turn to the mercy of God. Look at verse three again. I turn my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. That is how you return to God. Look at the character of God in verse 9. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Wow. It's hard for us to understand this. I was very fortunate because my father is, he's still kind. He's still loving. He's still compassionate. I can still pick up the phone and call him. I'm very blessed. Jen, on the other hand, my wife, she never knew her father. Her father was not present. And so... Some of my other friends and, and some of you, you might have fathers that were alcoholics or abusive or not present or it's just not a good model. And so we, it's hard for us to conceptualize a loving parent or a loving God, someone that's not abusive or taking advantage or wanting something from us. But that's what God is. That's how he describes himself. He's merciful. He's forgiving. Isn't that what you want in the relationships in your life? Like, don't you want your boss to be forgiving and merciful and kind? See, judgment seems harsh and it's hard to hear. But when you realize who's the judge, it's Christ. It's the same Christ who went to the woman of the well, who had had a life of, of sexual immorality. And he, he gives her dignity. He speaks to her. He looks beyond race. He looks beyond culture. He looks beyond gender and he gives her dignity. He doesn't excuse her sin. He identifies her sin. She recognizes who he is. He reveals that I'm the Messiah and she goes and tells others. But she realized before God who she was. And that's what is happening here in Daniel. Daniel is not making excuses for him or for his people. He's laying it out that we, look at verse 11. This needs to be our posture. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us. I remember, don't want to get into the details, but I remember a time in my life when I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, no, Michael because I was about to engage in sin. And I just said no. And I thank God he's forgiven me for my sins, that I came to him, I repented, I asked for forgiveness, and I turned away and I, I don't do those things anymore. I know some of you have said no to God, have said no to the Holy Spirit, but you have to be careful because if you keep saying no, your heart is going to become callous and your ears will become deaf to the Holy Spirit's words. You only have a limited number of warnings. It says in the Bible, if you remain stiff-necked, if you remain stubborn against God after many rebukes, you'll be destroyed without remedy. Wow. 
I don't want that to happen to you, friend. God is loving and kind. I want you to know that how God describes himself. I'll, I'll use another analogy because he is a loving father. That's how he describes himself. But he also uses in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. He was a righteous prophet. And God commanded him to marry a prostitute. What? So he is a faithful man married to an unfaithful woman. So she would be with him for a season, take off, um, do her sins, come back, take off. And every time he took her back, he forgave her. You see, our God is like Hosea. Even when we go astray for a season and we commit sin, if we come back, he's faithful. He's kind. You know the story of the prodigal son? You've heard this story in the book of Luke. You have a young man and his father is wealthy and has a big estate. And the son is impatient. And he says, hey, dad, I know you're not. He pretty much says, hey, can I have my inheritance now? Which means, hey, I know you're not dead, but I kind of wish you were so I could get my money. But I kind of don't want you to die. But can I just have my money anyway? I mean, how rude. That goes against every cultural norm. It's just unkind. It's so selfish and so lustful because he just wants to do what with it? He goes to another country, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And you know what? The prodigal son didn't go broke on the first day. You know, he was living it up. He was having fun. Some of you are in sin and it's fun for a while. But in the end, it always leads to death. Physical death and spiritual death death of relationships you might have a good thing going and it's going to ruin it you're going to ruin your family you're going to ruin your relationship you're going to ruin your living situation you're going to get fired you're not going to get hired sin in this world causes death and destruction we see that right we see that in the news all the time right now but the point is, is there's a loving and merciful God that's there waiting. Because after this guy lives it up, right? He's eating his pig slop and he's out of money. His friends left him. And he's like, what am I doing? Maybe if I go back to my dad, he'll hire me like a slave. At least the slaves have like good quarters to live in. And he goes back. Who knows what he's thinking? Maybe he's thinking the father's not going to accept him. A human father, many of them would say, you're dead to me. Nope, get out of here. Right? But what does our God do? Welcomes him back. He says, my son has come back. Kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. Our gracious and loving God. That's who he is. He's loving. He's merciful. And the definition of mercy is this. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. What did that son deserve? He deserved to be banished from his father forever. Is that what he did? No. The father took him back because that's mercy. What should... Would uh, Hosea have been justified to leave Gomer outside the door and say, No, I'm not taking you back. He would have been justified. He's righteous, but he's merciful. He lets her back. Okay? So I just want to encourage you, friend. Come to God. 
for his mercy. You know, my friend Vinny, I'll give you one more illustration. He was, he was a young engineer and he was working on a job and he was on an assembly line and he, um, this is how I remember the story. I might get some details wrong, but the bottom line is it was all these products coming through the process. Like you just imagine assembly line and they're assembling something with the machinery and so on. And the end product was not functionable. So he just, I don't know what he's making. Let's say he's making cameras. So you have all these thousands of cameras coming through the assembly line. You pick them up, they're all ruined. It's all the lenses are useless. You can't take pictures of them. The whole lot, all the crates of all these cameras, all the boxes, useless. My friend Vinny is like, I'm going to get fired. There's no way. I know I'm done. And then the boss comes in and he says, what happened? And my friend Vinny said, you know what, boss? I'm responsible. All the other workers are kind of hiding in the corners. I'm responsible. I messed up. I'm sorry. And so Vinny's expecting to be fired. You know what the boss did? He promoted him. This is a true story. He promoted him. Why? Because I can trust you. You're honest. See, our God is kind of like that too. Is that we messed up. And he knows that we need help. He knows we're messed up. He knows that we can't pick ourselves up. We're spiritually dead. We need him. We need his life. We need his spirit to live in us. Because we can't walk a righteous life on our own strength. God knows this. He designed us. He knows we're just dust. He just wants us to be like Vinny. He just wants us to own up to our sin. God, I am such a selfish person i'm so unkind to those people around me i have hatred in my heart i have grudges in my heart i have this addiction that i can't kick this is my god you should be my god but i want this we have these things in us and we need to just be before god and surrender that's what you see in daniel's prayer you have daniel praying and just saying god you said this but we do this I know this is the right way, but we go this way. My friends, just be honest. God already sees right through you. He just doesn't want you to be blind to who you are. You need to take responsibility and just be honest about your sin and ask for the mercy of God. And when he cleans you by the power of his blood, you walk and you follow. He's given you his spirit. So you are without excuse. He's given you his word. Not that we're going to walk with perfection, but when we stumble as brothers and sisters, let's pick each other up. Just like Karen was saying about Cynthia. She has a sister in Christ that helps pick her up. Just like in the purity group. It's not a therapy group. We don't just confess and then we go back to our sins and this is endless cycle. No, we need to forsake those sins and make, when you have a brother that says, Hey, Brother, maybe you want to make these changes. We have to be mutually submitted to one another. Confess. And when wise people give advice, we need to take it. I want to say one more thing about the mercy of God. Is that, you know, when we think of the nation right now, and it is really troubling me. I've had a, 
it's been hard for me to see. I have my own problems, okay? I'm selfish in my own family. I'm short with my family sometimes. We have enough conflict. We have our own issues and problems, okay? Enough sin there. But we shouldn't. We're not meant to stay there. We're meant to be part of a community. We're meant to be part of a nation. When you see Daniel, when you see Jesus, Jesus came as a light to the nations. When you see Daniel, he's advocating for his nation. And so for some of us, when we see the political hatred, it's sad. You have one person hating another person and one person hating another person and different groups and factions and blaming each other. There's so much self-righteousness on so many fronts because we're demanding holiness of each other. But we're all sinners. All of us fall short. We're all indebted to God. We're all covetous, blasphemers, sexually immoral. We all are selfish and fallen and we don't give grace to each other. I'm not excusing any of the injustices. I hear what I'm saying. I'm just saying as a lot and you look at the disrespect of human life, how so many lives are just ended quickly. These people get up in the morning and they don't know that they're going to die, have a bullet inside of them at the end of the day. And, you know, this week too in Christendom, in the church, you hear about one of the biggest Christian universities in the country. and It's just this gross sin of the leaders. I've seen it so many times. Mentors of mine in the past, pastors who are great men of God who fall into sexual immorality and or corruption. It happens all over the place. It just weighs your heart ways in my heart. And so my last reflection is if you look in verse 16, Daniel models. See, Daniel was a righteous man. He had integrity. But do you know what he did? He stood in the gap. That's a idea in Ezekiel where someone stands in the gap advocating for a group before God. And that's what he's doing for his nation. And so I want to ask you, good Christian, maybe you're living a righteous life. But are you being salt? Are you being light to the world around you? Because if you're not, see, salt is a preservative. Back in the day, you'd have this meat, like in the Roman Empire, you put salt on it and the salt would preserve the meat. If there's no salt, the meat rots. This week, one of my sons, I won't say who, didn't take the trash out the right way, didn't cover the bag, 100 degree weather, Guess what happens? I'll spare you the details, but writhing things. It's rotting. And when the people of God are unwilling to go into the world and be light and salt to preserve this country, preserve our community, when we only live for ourselves, hey, we go, do our job, go home, do family stuff, but we don't pray and we don't advocate in the spiritual realm for our country then we're going to have a rotten country but we're called as the church salvation is not in the republicans salvation is not in the democrats salvation is not in any of these groups salvation is only in god the only hope for our nation is god so look at this prayer verse 16 O lord according to your righteous acts 
Let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. So, as we close, the last reflection is I want to really implore you at this time to pray for your communities and pray when you look on the TV and you see all this horrific things happening and you get stirred up and angry and you have your side and they have their side or whatever, whatever it is, why don't you pray for your enemies, whoever they might be, and pray for the nation. So let me review. We need repentance. The wrath of God is coming and we have to be ready. But we can turn to God just like the prodigal son and just call on his mercy for grace that we don't deserve and we don't get the punishment that we deserve. And finally, pray for the nation. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this church. I pray for them. And I pray for us, Lord, that we would spur each other on to love and good deeds, that we would encourage each other, that we would confess our sins to each other. And Lord, would you help this nation? Lord, we we need as a nation to come back to you. We need relationships so we can be salt. Forgive us, God, for, for just being insular and not reaching out to our neighbors and our friends and not being a light. Forgive us, Lord, as a church and for all the hypocrisy that happens in, in your name, Lord. Forgive us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.